Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And a delightful day for talk radio, despite, of course, the severity and gravity of the issues that we're discussing. Well, it's primarily one, but it's got a lot of different dimensions. That's the COVID-19 scourge, and it's impacted, as we know, airline travel, as uh, many people even scrambling as we speak. We just heard from the prime minister. Flights have been seconded, special ones to get people out of places like Morocco, Peru, and, you know, the list goes on. Latin America, many people are sort of hung out to dry and uh, with countries increasingly going into lockdown or you want to get away from a third world medical situation, you want to get your carcass back home, uh, it does lend itself to a lot of anxious people who are willing to get on a plane and get out of Dodge. Now, uh, insofar as airline safety is concerned, I'm talking about inside the cabin. Let's get the details. Todd Curtis is an aviation safety expert and founder of airsafe.com. And he joins the Oakley Show this afternoon. Todd, how you doing? Well, doing just fine. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, anyone still flying these days apart from out of need or necessity? Well, there's still some flights going on out there. In fact, there's a fairly high percentage, of, in the U.S. at least, of domestic flights that are still flying. Now, because of a lack of demand, many of the airlines have decided to uh, start cutting back or even grounding entirely for some of the smaller airlines. What about the larger ones? I mean, uh, most of the staff are unionized. Like I know here in Canada they are. Uh, what do we do in that case? I mean, uh, you know, should they be shutting down, uh, really reducing, not just out of economic necessity, but for the safety and sake of their own personnel, uh, should they be reducing the number of flights and putting people in harm's way? Well, these are, of course, unprecedented circumstances. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there are several things that are happening that could impact safety. In the U.S., there are several air traffic control centers and control towers that have had to either reduce staffing or close down altogether for short periods of time because people are sick. Now, you mentioned the unions. There are some U.S. unions for pilots that stipulate there should be a certain amount of flights at minimum flying to adhere to the contract. But again, these contracts didn't really have a global pandemic in mind, so it's unclear how these will pan out. What have you heard about staffing? Uh, is that an issue here or are people still, because in Canada it's considered still to be an essential service. And so, uh, you know, I guess they're going with skeletal flight crews or what they're doing, you know, uh, reduced number of flights rather, but they're still staffing them a- adequately. How's the states working? Well, there are specific regulations as far as what kind of staffing you should have, what sort of hours they should have, et cetera. What some of the airlines have uh, considered doing or have implemented are things such as um, changing things so that crews stay together longer. Rather than randomly uh, assigning a pilot and a first officer, they'll have those crews together so that the likelihood of them um, getting coronavirus is lessened. What about inside the cabin? Any extraordinary precautions being taken? Well, having talked to, uh, spoken to several people in the industry, especially a flight attendant at one of the major airlines in the U.S., there are specific procedures that haven't been in place above and beyond what are the federal requirements to maintain a level of 
of uh, sanity as well as uh, sanitizing areas in the aircraft. For example, you might have a situation where they're not going to serve drinks in anything other than a disposable uh, cup or after landing, especially at the end of the day, the level of cleaning that the crew has is going to be higher than after a normal flight. What do you do about seating, though? I mean, uh, the requirement now is in social distancing, six feet apart, those seats are like right on top of each other. Well, in the U.S., I am not aware of any specific federal regulation that dictates that there should be some spacing between people. Now, out of, out of uh, necessity, if you have a fairly lightly loaded aircraft, the cabin crews would probably, in many cases, sit people separately for that very reason. But otherwise, when it comes to being on the aircraft, it's up to the airline. If the person looks visibly ill, the flight attendant or the, or the flight crew uh, members could uh, tell that person not to get on board. Or if there are other issues that are in flight, they might divert for medical reasons. But beyond that, there's no specific uh, regulation I'm aware of that would keep someone from sitting close to someone on an airplane. Yeah, uh, regulation is one word. Recommendation seems to be the operative word from the health authorities. So they're saying social distancing, they recommend six feet apart. And I'm just saying this obviously belies that fact. I mean, you've got groups within a plane in and of itself. I mean, so uh, all the vectors for possible contagion spread, uh, you know, it just seems like it's exponential within the, uh, you know, the confines of an aircraft baggage claim. That's another one such. I mean, this is where I guess I'm wondering if there are certain sectors of business and uh, airline flight would be one or, you know, airports in general, where it's pretty hard to place any kind of meaningful restriction upon people and their movement. And that's absolutely true. And given the nature of coronavirus, which although it's a respiratory illness, it's uh, driven primarily by people touching on, let's say, droplets from sneezing and whatnot on surfaces. So it's not an airborne virus. So no matter how good the air filters may be on an aircraft, that's not the issue. And it's not just the airplane. If you're going to an airport, you might be taking public transit there and there and back. You might be touching surfaces, going through security, uh, door, door handles, etc. So there are many, many opportunities in an, in an airport have your hands touch something that could have the coronavirus. So again, the common sense rules of washing your hands frequently, minimizing your exposure, and in my opinion, when it comes to aviation, the best way to minimize exposure is to minimize the number of flights. Delay your, your flight or cancel entirely if possible. Or if you do have an opportunity to fly or a chance to fly, have as few flight segments as possible. Would you agree it's an essential service, though? I mean, uh, you can't shut down the airlines. I mean, look, Donald Trump was even talking today about, you know, Boeing. Boeing's taken such a hit. That's one such example uh, that putting people back to work within his 15-day window is, by way of example, again, you can't have a, a company like Boeing suddenly collapse. Do uh, you agree well, with that assessment? It sure does. I, I would agree that uh, long-term, a company like Boeing is very important to the U.S. economy and aviation as a whole. But in the short term, there is a very, very practical reason for having air travel still being in operation. There's valuable air cargo that's being flown, not just by UPS or FedEx, but by most uh, civil airliners. The uh, baggage compartment of an air aircraft, your standard airliner, may have mail, may have medicine, may have other essential goods. So even if the passenger demand falls off, there will very likely be a need for very quick transport of valuable cargo by air. So for that reason alone, 
the air transportation system in North America and elsewhere will be operating at some level, far less than normal, but it's not going to disappear. Todd, finally, let me ask you, because I was intrigued when you were citing about uh, air filters in the cabin, and it's often stated, and I don't know if it's, uh, you know, just an urban legend, but these are veritable Petri dishes or Petri dishes, I guess, uh, the Petris lived in New Rochelle. Anyway, the Petri dishes that they are, you know, it's uh, really just uh, sort of spreading the uh, contagion around. Are those air filters uh, any good? I mean, do they really minimize the amount of germs and bacteria that proliferate uh, ordinarily? As with any other uh, uh, ventilation system, it's as good as the maintenance on that system. So if the filters are well-maintained and such, it will be an effective way of minimizing, although not eliminating, things that can make people sick. But the reality is, uh, not all the air will go through the air filters. If you have someone sneezing a couple of rows away, those droplets are not going to be filtered through the system before they get to where your seat is. And without going into great detail, there have been some studies that have looked at how, are, how close you have to be to catch something from someone. And basically, if you're within a couple of rows of someone who might be sick and spewing off coronavirus, there might be a, a fairly good chance of being exposed to it. Now, whether you get the disease, that's something altogether different. As you get further away, uh, it's much less likely that those droplets will be settling on a surface near where you're sitting. Do you think it's possible to screen passengers getting onto a flight? I mean, uh, I know some are asymptomatic or they haven't really gone into the full flourish of uh, being infected, but uh, would that be a sort of prophylactic measure? Well, for something obvious such as a high fever or sweating or obvious uh, signs of distress, certainly uh, there's formal and informal screening going on. As with any aircraft, the chief flight attendant or the captain of the aircraft can at any time for any reason uh, say that a per particular person cannot get on that aircraft or if a hazard seems to be high enough to not take off that aircraft at all or to land it in an emergency. So certainly screening does happen. On a practical uh, side, having routine screening for every passenger will only be, in my opinion, of minimal effectiveness because, as you said, one can be asymptomatic. and possibly not even know that they have the virus and be someone who will pass it on to someone else. And unfortunately, it may be days or a week or more before someone is exposed actually falls ill. So even then, they may not be aware where they may have gotten this from. Yeah, You're immersed in this world. Last question. Would you fly today? I, in my opinion, <laughs> actually in my actions, no, I wouldn't. In fact, in early May, excuse me, early March, uh, I was uh, just about to go to South by Southwest in Austin. And this was a week before South by Southwest actually canceled. I looked at what was going on. I looked at the fact that I was going to be in a city with maybe a couple hundred thousand visitors from all over the world. And I thought, uh, flying aside, the risk of the entire trip is just too high. Even if I don't get the disease, uh, they may start shutting this thing down and people are already canceling. It's not going to be as much fun to travel. So for a combination of of, of a potential disease as well as potentially not having fun, I cancel my travel. Right now, I've said to myself, if the trip I have to make is under, let's say, 500 miles, I'll drive. It used to be my limit was about 300 miles, but now it's like if I have to go between, I'm in Boston now, from here to Washington, D.C., I'm not going to take the plane. I'm not even going to take the train. I have much more control of my environment if I drive my own vehicle. 
Right. It's a good thing you're not going to Kansas City because there'd be a song breaking out right about now. <laughs> or many other cities I wish I could go to but simply can't. All right. Including, I might add, Toronto. I have an, an out there who is in a long-term care facility. And if I were to go to Canada, I would have to quarantine for 14 days. And I wouldn't be able to visit her anyway because there are limitations uh, about outside visitors at long-term care facilities. Well, and in general, in Canada, too, uh, we've closed the border, and stateside, they've done the same, uh, except for really essential travel. i got to let you go on that note, but uh, fun to check in, and thanks for the update on what's going on Skywise. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 